Hey, 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 we're live. Uh, cool. Yes, just checking something here. Cool. Uh, hi, hi, everyone. Uh, this is episode 22 of the Security Back podcast. Uh, once again, we're live for another week. And today I'm uh, happy to have together with me uh, Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And, uh, you know, once again, thank you for, uh, you know, accepting to, to join me for, for this episode. Um, uh, just a quick introduction. If this is the first time uh, you're watching this, uh, this is just a little project of mine um, where I invite cool people like Caitlin uh, to speak about some of the um, last uh, news from the security realm. I invite, you know, a lot of different guests because I really think the value is in the conversation with people with different, you know, different uh, backgrounds, skills, uh, knowledge. And I really think that I personally learn a lot uh, in the process. And hopefully you there, you know, are watching or listening to this uh, will, uh, you know, learn something as well. Today, as I said, there's Kathleen. Kathleen, would you mind just introduce you briefly? Yeah, so um, my name is Caitlin. I've been in cybersecurity for about 10, over 10 years now. Um, started out in cybersecurity consulting, but um, originally did aerospace engineering before I got into cyber. So I had no experience getting in. I learned everything on the job in consulting. I was terrible at coding, so that is not my area of expertise or strength. I kind of know what's going on, but I can't, I'm not good at it. Um, and I am a social media influencer and educator on all about cybersecurity. Um, and I just am trying to get as many people into the career field as possible, as well as educate everyone on how to be safe online since we were never taught how to do it when we were younger. So I'm happy to be here and kind of walk through these, you know, main key headlines, um, some of which are really interesting and honestly would love to get your take on them. Again, I'm not very technical, so I understand what's going on, but would love to hear how you think it went down or how it happened. So it's always fun to do. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's great. And by the way, I really, uh, you know, I really like your mission, right? The fact that, uh, you know, Unfortunately, so many people in the industry are doing like gatekeeping, right? Um, and uh, maybe discouraging people to to start a career in this industry because you know uh, it's difficult. It requires a lot of skills. I, I think personally that yeah, that's for sure, right? Uh, it's a it's a challenging industry, but definitely anyone can at least you know uh, try to join if they are uh, you know eager to to learn. Definitely, you can learn uh, you know on the on the job. Uh, you definitely have just to uh, uh, one, you know, be, be willing to do it, right? Uh, to learn and to um, try stuff, and uh, you know, just find maybe just the best um, career path for you because there are so many different, you know, paths in there. Uh, so definitely, uh, thank you for for the work you're doing. And by the way, the fact that you're not technically it's perfect. I'm inviting, you know, on purpose people that are definitely, um, uh, you know have different perspectives, have different backgrounds than me, uh, because I want to see uh, different point of views, because I think the value is exactly in uh, how you look at this with your own knowledge, skills, that I, I know it's uh, it's going to be a lot, and it's going to just be uh, different than mine, right? I think that's the best thing. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. I'm going to share my screen uh, with the, uh, the first of the news. I'm going to introduce it. Uh, very quickly and see uh, what are you know the first thoughts that comes you know to our minds. Uh, so here we go. Yes, 
Cool. So anyone should be able to see my screen. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to take this, um, you know, article links and put it in the description of the YouTube video because, you know, even if you're watching this live, uh, the recording will be there after it. And in the description, there will be, of course, you know, catering contacts, but also, you know, the links to this article. So you can do your own uh, research, you, do, you can do your own read reading. And I really think that actually you should read, you know, uh, and make your own opinions and maybe let us know uh, in a comment what you think about this. So um, the first, uh, this first article here uh, talks about something that for maybe many people in the industry, maybe it's really, you know, uh, uh, clear and uh, it's not really a surprise, right? But still, uh, I think this is worth uh, some, some discussion about it. We're, we're talking about Google and its uh, you know, browser that most people are, nowadays are using, uh, this Google Chrome, and it's incognito mode, right? So this is basically uh, the, uh, the mode that you can enable from your browser to go, let's say, private while you're browsing the internet, right? Uh, the thing is, and this is what, you know, it's inside the news, that uh, last month, uh, Google settled a uh, lawsuit, uh, right, for uh, five billions, where you know they allegedly spied on people using the incognito mode, which is a little, you know, uh, uh, counterintuitive if you think about it. Um, and the thing about it is that basically Google was saying, okay, maybe you are just a little, you know, people in general, a little overestimating what incognito mode does and what to expect from it. Uh, still, you know, um, apparently a lot of people think that you are completely private when you enable such uh, such mode. And by the way, it's not only Chrome, a lot of other browsers, uh, I think maybe uh, all of them actually uh, give you the same possibility. But the thing is that, you know, it depends. It's gonna maybe hide some of the things, but not all of the things. Um, and uh, the uh, you know the the outcome of this um, this lawsuit is that uh, Google is now releasing a new uh, statement when you open the Google Chrome uh, incognito mode, saying that you know not only third parties can still let's say listen or watch into your uh, connections in your into your browsing, but also Google itself because it was not specified uh, before and now now it is just to make it clear so that basically no one can, can complain about it. Now, um, well, uh, for sure, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the incognito mode itself, right? Most of the people aren't really aware of what it does or wh why they should use it. And they just, you know, and, and that's that's human. You just do not read everything that is in front of you, even if it's specified uh, in the uh, in the page in front of you when you open it. Uh, that is only going to hide things on your own local computer, right? It's not going to save your history. It's not going to save maybe uh, some some of the cookies and so on and so forth. Still, you know, your connection can definitely be uh, you know recorded by so many third parties out there, not locally, but, you know, through the internet, let's say, right? And, you know, I don't know if this is just my, um, uh, like my perception, or still, this is something that uh, most of the people are not really um, 
thinking about? What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I think a lot of people just don't understand what it means. Um, when they hear incognito, they think it's like secretive. And I think, like you said, it's, it's not just the Google browser. There's other browsers that I think almost every other browser also has a similar feature. So it's not just Google that's getting, you know, having the issue. It's every browser. And so I think what people need to realize, and I've actually recorded a few videos about this, like what incognito mode actually does, because it doesn't like, you you kind of hit the nail on the head like yeah it doesn't really save your um it's like not saved in your personal browsing history and it's, it's like you know your cookies aren't going to be collected and site data is not going to be collected or the information if you put on forms is not being collected um but when it comes to like anyone else your internet service provider can still see where you go usually if you're working on an employee laptop like they can probably see where you're going um, so it just depends on the mechanism of where the data is collected. Um, incognito mode's more for like your your computer. Like it's like, oh, I'm not going to sh um, share or store this information. But outside of your computer, it's really not inc incognito. It's your whatever other third party you're using. Usually, it's still being shared, and sometimes even your IP address is still being shared. So, um, yeah, it's just it's an interesting concept. I, I think the world. This goes back to just cybersecurity in general of education and understanding. Like people don't know what it is and they're not going to, you know, continue to ask questions about it because in their opinion, incognito means incognito. It means that you aren't being seen. And so why would they ask what, you know, why would they question that when they don't even understand how it works? Like you don't know what you don't know. So I think it's, you know, I'm, I keep saying that it's, it's companies' responsibilities if they're collecting certain data and, profiting off certain data that they should be educating the users, um, which is, a, is and it's, a, it's an interesting concept. But if you think about it, like they're literally taking data from you, they're most likely selling it and, and, and they're making money off of it. So they should have the responsibility, in my opinion, to educate the users on what they're actually doing about it and like be more upfront, like not just have it deep down in a privacy policy, like Google's privacy policy is absurd. You can't really understand what's going on so yeah i mean i don't blame the users because honestly if i weren't in cyber i would assume the same thing and also just realize like again it's not just a google thing i know that google obviously got sued for five million i think it was a million or is it billion i don't know a lot of money but um yeah it's just it it's kind of false advertising for people that don't know what cybersecurity is you you definitely took uh um you know at least a couple of different you know uh topics that are very interesting. First of all, um, it's a lot about uh, awareness, right? The fact that, you know, I'm really, really um, convinced that if you are using a tool, this tool can be, you know, a computer, can be, you know, the internet or whatever, you have to be, you know, uh, at least aware of what are the consequences of you using that kind of tool, right? And this is not, we're not talking about, you know, uh, big companies, com uh, you know, cybersecurity, but also, you know, you in your own home uh, using, you know, your private device to, to do, you know, uh, daily uh, daily browsing. Uh, this is everyone's cybersecurity is the individual cybersecurity, not only maybe, maybe you're in the employee, right, of a, of a big company. So it also, you know, how you use those tools can also impact, uh, um, you know, your, your own company. But the fact is that, for your own privacy, for your own safety, you should be just a little aware of 
how things work. I'm not like uh, pretending that you have to, to be an expert, right? Uh, in uh, how networks work or, or uh, you know, how um, a browser work and everything. But the point is that if you want to use it and you want to use it, you know, well, without any, you know, consequences for what you're doing uh, specifically, you have to be aware. And I'm also agreeing with the fact that it's a lot of uh, using, uh, uh, you know, bad words. The fact that we are calling it incognito mode, you know, just let us think that this is completely uh, hiding everything you're doing. But the fact is, it's not, right? Uh, and just to make this clear, I, I like to explain as much as I could uh, what we mentioned in this, in this podcast. Uh, if it's not uh, clear to everyone which, which is, you know, watching list, uh, this or, list, uh, or listen to this, uh, the point is that um, while your browser uh, usually collects a lot of data while you're browsing, right, it's saving your history so you can uh, go back to your previous sites that you visited before whenever you want and any other people using the same computer technique can do that, then you're not saving those using incognito mode. You're saving cookies for you know most of the time you visit a website, so you can save your you know choices or uh, a lot of your configuration in using that specific tool. And when you're using Kinetic Mode, you're not doing that. But the fact that you know, as you know, specified in the in the lawsuit from for Google, uh, Google is doing money, uh, in fact, recording data, right, tracking data and you know processing that and selling the outcome of that processing, they are still doing it, you know, outside of your computer, right? Uh, also when you're using incognito mode, and that's not only Google, Google in this case, but also, you know, as you mentioned, your internet provider, the, you know, website you are visiting, if you are going to a social media, that social media is still recording whatever you do, uh, you know, on their social media, or if you're using, I don't know, a third party service like a, VPN or anything, there are so many different actors involved that you have to be aware of. So anything that is outside, let's say, your computer uh, can still uh, you know, collect a lot of information and most of the information are actually there. Um, now, I, we, I could also mention that still something you know, uh, on your local computer could technically be uh, recovered, but here we're moving to uh, maybe something like uh, digital forensics, I, I would say like, okay, if tomorrow for any reason, the police is going to, you know, take your device, even if you uh, use the incognito mode for some of your, um, uh, of your private browsing, technically some activity can still be uh, recovered with a lot of, you know, if and conditions. But uh, that's, uh, I think, a little too technical for, for now. But I, you know, once again, it's just to give some hints. And uh, uh, if you are curious, if you're interested, do your own research and uh, you know, just try to understand more uh, every day. Um, so yeah, I think uh, this was pretty much it. Do you, do you have anything else in your mind about this, this topic right here, uh, Kathleen? Yeah, I mean, I think in summary, like, I think people need to realize incognito mode's really, like, for you locally. It's not incognito for everyone else, like, that you're visiting. So, like, for example, if you're, you know, buying a present 
from a website and you don't want your you know family member that shares the computer to know that you went to that website then use incognito mode but then there's that stipulation that if okay if you're buying a family member something on amazon and then you sign into amazon through incognito or if you sign into any facebook whatever that is you're no longer incognito like that there's no there's no difference so like once you sign into an account it's gonna like it's gonna know who you are so incognito is really like for local things on your device that you just don't want people if you're sharing a device with someone you don't want people to know but it, it doesn't really do anything outside of that yeah maybe one last thing that we should definitely mention is that you know especially when we talk about uh company-owned devices right if you are using uh, the device that your company granted to you definitely you know there are a lot of you know um uh, uh you know ways or tools that your company is using for sure, not to track you in the first place, but you know uh, to defend your you and your device from uh, cybersecurity risks uh, and to ensure that everything is working properly uh, with the internal resources and everything. So definitely, the fact that you use incognito mode doesn't you know even um, let's say uh, cover the eyes of your own company, right? Because that's your own company device. There are going to be uh, a list of different software that are installed uh, in the in the computer itself that that maybe is tracking your own activity on all, in other ways, right? Maybe not inside your own browser, but with other softwares uh, tracking the connections and everything. Maybe you are going through once again the company VPN, and that's a you know uh, another story once again. Uh, so you know just. Uh, yeah, we we need to to have this kind of separation between what is happening locally locally in our device and whoever is using the same device can see or cannot see, and whoever else that is able to you know uh, have a look into into my connection what 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 they can see. Uh, but yeah, I really think that's that's pretty much it. So um, very quickly before we jump into the the next news that. Uh, has been actually pretty pretty big in the in the news uh, on the last week. Uh, just a little reminder, uh, you know, this is just a little project. Um, and uh, uh, if you're watching this, if you are maybe listening this uh, in uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever um, podcast platform you prefer, uh, consider uh, you know subscribing to the, the uh, YouTube channel, but also in uh, on all the other social to just to uh, be notified whenever a new episode comes out, uh, usually every week. Uh, and this is very, very helpful just to let me know that you are appreciating this, that you like this, and I should do more and I can invite, can invite new guests, you know, as Caitlin this time. So thank you for that. And now we jump into the, uh, to the next news. So uh, as I said, this was pretty big. Uh, we're talking about Microsoft. And the fact that, unfortunately, once again, uh, they got uh, breached. They declared themselves that um, uh, they identified um, uh, um, a data breach uh, that was caused by some uh, Russian actors. Uh, they, uh, they did some of the profiling here uh, and the, the attribution. They attributed this to what they call Midnight Blizzard, a specific you know, uh, uh, Russian-based group. Uh, and they they add uh, a specific you know um, uh, post where they describe what happened and what they were able to identify. Now we don't really have too many details on this, and I I've seen 
a lot of people just doing some, uh, you know, guessing and hypotheses on what's behind this. Uh, and uh, I really want to, to start on the fact that we don't we don't know the details, and unfortunately, probably we will never know, like in many other um, data breaches um, statements that we we can see on a daily basis. But there's still a lot that we can, uh, I think, learn uh, about this. So the thing that Microsoft said about it is that uh, they found the uh, the actor was in their environment at least from November uh, 2023. That's at least a couple of months where the attackers were uh, pretty much free to uh, play in their uh, in their environment. And we know that Microsoft definitely has a, a very big environment and also is connected to a lot of their customers. So this is basically every time a company like Microsoft is breached, it means a lot of consequences uh, or potential consequences at least for their uh, customers and partners and so on and so forth. And uh, the fact that they stayed for so long, uh, let us think a lot. Uh, and um, the other thing they specified is that the way they caught in, so the initial access, we say, uh, the way the actors actually uh, got, a, uh, got a first foothold in their environment was like uh, was using a, a password spraying attack. So what was this? Um, we um, I think some people uh, sometimes uh, confuse this with a brute force attack. There's a little difference in this. So usually in a brute force attack, you use a lot of guessing of different passwords, a lot of combination of characters to try to guess the password of a specific user, right? So you have a single user and you specify a thousand or ten thousand or even more um, attempts to to find the uh, the right password so you can get in. In the password spraying attack, you are actually doing kind of the opposite, where you get a specific password that you know someone used, maybe because it's a very you know uh, straightforward password. I know password one, two, three, or, or admin or whatever, or maybe uh, they, you know, from another data breach, they got a real password and then they are trying to find out other platforms where the same user used it. And so they are basically uh, running multiple, you know, many, many different attempts with multiple accounts and the same password, right? So there's this uh, little difference in here. And with this, they got into what they call a non-production test tenant, whatever that means. I think that's very, very, uh, you know, um, <laughs> um, not not very specific uh, at least. And uh, uh, the the thing is that this non-production test tenant account then um, uh, enabled the attackers to eventually um, collect and, and maybe exfiltrate all the information from their leadership team their cybersecurity team, their legal team, and so on and so forth. So now, uh, again, I think the first thing that we probably uh, can take from this news here is that no matter how big is your company, no matter you know how um, advanced could be your security posture, because definitely Microsoft is going to be uh, definitely you know uh, um, advanced, you know with all of their team, they're going to have a big team, they're going to have a lot of technology in place, still they get breached, right? So uh, I don't know if, do you think this is um, clear nowadays that any company out there, no matter how big or how little they are, can still be uh, facing a cyber attack? Do you think that's a thing? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you're only as strong as your weakest link, and I say this on every podcast, and your weakest link are the people. So it doesn't matter what technology you use. It, it's, you're always, honestly, your weakest link is your people. And so, like you said, this was, you know, senior exec emails were accessed. And to be honest, you know, most large companies have a standard email, like, um, what's it called? Like a standard way of creating emails for their users. So it's usually like first and last name at Microsoft.com or like first name, last initial or first initial, last name. Yeah, and they have a naming convention, right? Yeah, that's like a that's like a public thing. Like you can easily find out what it is. And then if you just run a scan with like what they did with this password spring with all of the like standard easy passwords, I guarantee you, you're going to get into one. Like it's not hard to do. Um, and I could do that and I don't even know like technical skills. Um, it's, so it's, it's really interesting. Obviously you'd hope that they have multi-factor authentication. So this, they do get one password, then they're not getting into everything and they're still not able to get in overall. But you know, it's, it, yeah, it just, people really don't realize that it's not hard to like breach an organization if you have like weak security protocols and weak security awareness in that organization. And you'd think that like, oh, it's Microsoft. Like everyone's like really techie. It's like every type of person works at these large companies. It's not like everyone is in, like just because you work in tech doesn't mean you know how to do tech. Like there's every, you know, every type of person that works there. So I think it's just having better communication and awareness around security protocols and having people start understanding like all the different ways that, you know, they can be, sounds bad, but like more like exploited, um, especially senior execs. I think this happens a lot, whether that's spear phishing, which is like when hackers specifically, you know, fish for, or like whaling, specifically fish for like larger employees of the company that have more access um, and, or even this, I mean, this sounds really bad, but like, you know, the older generation sometimes has a hard time remembering passwords. So they use easy passwords and they don't really think anything of it. And um, I think it's just letting them know how important it is um, to have stronger passwords and to start, you know, even if that's like help. Oh, I think also a lot of times they, they just don't know how to do it or they don't think it's going to happen to them. And it's just, it's, it's clearly communicating um, and articulating how important it is and why it's important and what happens if it's like, if they don't do it. Absolutely. Uh, I will probably just add a thing to, to, to what you said. And the thing is that actually uh, the bigger is the company and usually uh, more, you know, uh, are the challenges that you are facing just because you have uh, so many people in there. You say that uh, people is, um, you know, unfortunately most of the time your weakest link, right? And if you have, I don't know how ten, how uh, you know how many thousands of people are working for Microsoft. That's a lot of people that can all be you know exploited. And at the same time, even if we exclude the, the human link, you know you also have a lot of uh, you know technology in there that that is part of your attack surface, right? So the more you have, or of whatever of you know uh, applications, um, technology. Uh, employees or whatever, all of those can be individual assets that can be uh, targeted and exploited by attackers, right? So that's also, um, you know, in order to understand that, okay, once again, it's Microsoft or it's, I don't know, whatever, Apple or Amazon, the, even if you're really advanced, even if you are very techy, if you have the smartest people in there, um, 
trying to protect your company. The thing is that no one is really 100% secure. And, you know, the challenges are really increasing the more uh, the company grows. And here, I think it's, it's actually this, uh, uh, this is the case because, you know, they are talking about this non-production, uh, you know, test, um, uh, test account. The thing is that uh, most probably, we are guessing here, we're doing a hypothesis. They had this user which was, you know, forgot some way. Uh, and it, you know, <laughs> we can guess that it didn't have really any multi-factor authentication enabled if a uh, um, password spread uh, attack was, uh, was enough to, to breach it. Just because, you know, even if you find the password for a specific account and you have MFA, you have multi-factor authentication, that's usually, you know, uh, enough to, to prevent an access from someone which is not really the, um, the rightful user, right? Uh, so we can guess in this specific case, there was uh, no multi-factor authentication and that nowadays, you know, at least, you know, most of the people in the industry think it's a, it's a big, you know, uh, uh, let's say failure, right? I, I don't personally think it's a failure because once again, anyone can, um, uh, can, can uh, face something like this. But still, you know, if this was the case, this was a, a big issue because uh, once again, password spreading is really, is really like a very basic attack. It's not really advanced. And, and this is something that we mentioned so many times uh, times during this podcast. Uh, we in the industry like to talk about, you know, the most advanced kind of attacks, the most uh, techy ones, the more sophisticated ones. But the reality is that most of the time it's the really, you know, basic things. Most of the time it's phishing. Most of the time it's just finding the password written somewhere. And this is uh, kind of one of those cases right there, right? It's it's really uh, possible they, they just picked a password from a, a previous data breach and they tried to reuse it, uh, you know, uh, um, so many times until they really found the right, the right account. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, it's really, really clear that uh, th that was the, the initial uh, access, right? So the first foothold that the attacker got into the environment. But then in order to be able to collect data from all of those different teams, Microsoft is mentioning, uh, it's clear that the attacker moved laterally uh, in their environment, right? They possibly did a lot of movements in those two months and they got access to other um uh, other devices, other resources, maybe also other internal accounts. And this is something they don't specify, right? But it's, uh, I think it's okay. That's not a technical statement of all the incident with all of the individual steps they, they identified. But it's really clear this was not the only step the attacker did, right? And uh, uh, that's, um, you know, that also says a lot on, uh, um, uh, separating different environments uh, internally to the uh, to the company, right? Maybe you had that test tenant account, but how do they move to your, you know, uh, employees' mailboxes? And they got into the legal uh, department and they got into the cybersecurity department, right? It seems that that was not on, not the only um, uh, vulnerability they exploited, uh, if, if it makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, in my personal opinion, people are your weakest link. That's how every hacker gets their foot in the door. 
and then it's continued awareness and stuff and 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 tools and technology that you use to to detect when people are in there and right. hackers are like they move laterally like you said they're just trying to they're trying to open doors they're trying to open windows they're trying to just get in other ways to continue to get more and more elevated access so they can get more exclusive um kind of like ip uh data and so it's a game to them like it's a long it's a, usually a long game um but again people are like the weakest link when it comes to letting hackers in the door and then it then it comes into your tools and how you're monitoring and detecting what's going on in your network to like actually track and see what's going on um so i i think yeah you're right when you say like there's it doesn't really say a lot in this article but um they obviously move somewhere um it doesn't really even say like all of the stuff that they, i don't i think they're pre being pretty um broad about what was accessed yeah. um and i don't know if it's because they don't know what's accessed yet or if it's not a big deal but um yeah i i would assume that it's a probably a bigger deal than they're letting it out to be i mean um that that's actually an interesting topic and um yeah we also already discussed on on other episodes but the thing is that of course the public you know um statement about uh you know an incident that any company pretty much does nowadays because of different uh, regulations that actually uh, force you to right um it doesn't really um uh, let's say requires you to uh declare all the details you ha you have to declare basically or most of the time and maybe you know more about this but uh that you you faced a kind of breach uh when this happened and how you know how many uh different uh actors this is uh affecting you your partners your uh, uh, employees maybe your your own customers and what type of data maybe it was involved it was you know kind of sensitive data uh, you know internal company data or or whatever and uh we will you know we as not really involved in the in the incident uh we we probably never know all of the details because there's something that you take internally that maybe you should use to to have what we call you know the lesson learned to to learn from your own incident and uh you know uh make it you know make something better for the next time you face the the same kind of attack uh but i i don't really expect and this is a personal opinion i don't really expect microsoft or or any other company to to really mention everything that this is happening and it, and i see this is actually bothering some of the people in the industry that are really expecting microsoft to give out all of the details but i don't know if that's that's something that you really want to do you don't really want to give out too many information about what happened because someone else can reuse the same tactics and maybe you're not ready you know to face the same attack yet again this is maybe not the case of microsoft it could be um for for uh, for someone else you're not really um I, I don't think you really have to do that you know uh as long as you um communicate to the right people that are affected by this what do you think you agree with me or do you have a different opinion um i think there's a way that you can still share a little bit more information about what happened um i think there's two avenues that you should share one to the public and that can be a little bit more broad 
but at least explain i mean this article didn't go into that much detail about what the heck happened and like what that like what that means for like a normal user reading this article and then the second way of sharing is i and i think they do this there's a lot of groups already that like you know share insights with each other whether they're competitors or not um i know there's a lot of like um government groups that share like if there's a breach like this and they say hey this is how they got in more specifically so other other companies won't have the same issue um so i mean there's a lot going on behind the scenes but when it comes to like media and announcing it i think i think companies need to do a better job of explaining what that means to like the normal human reading the article because yeah. if you're not in tech you don't understand i would say a majority of what's going on and then it just gives you more worry and doubt in the company whereas if the company is actually explaining like this is what happened this i mean they did say like they're going to be focused more on i think like training and stuff like that in the future but like what does that mean for me as a microsoft user and i think a lot of companies don't explain what that looks like um because yeah I, I just don't think they know how to announce it like that yeah you're right because you know you probably need to do a list of different kind of communication depending on who's your you know who's the target of that communication right maybe and we don't know yet this is this is very recent and maybe we will have more uh public posts from microsoft with a very detailed very technical description of what happened step by step so that it can be also um uh, you know educational in some uh, in some in some ways right for other other companies that are facing similar attacks uh, and maybe they are going to uh, do other communications like um, less public directly to their um, uh, not only employees. Maybe if they, if any affected, you know, partner is, is going to be, um, you know, involved, uh, they they could share maybe more details. But in the sense of okay, just declaring we faced a breach, this was affected in terms of uh, kind of data. Uh, I think uh, I think that this is uh, this is definitely okay. Now there's a lot of speculation. Now we are we are also using this, you know, in order to have a conversation. But I will not really let's say complain at this stage because Microsoft didn't share enough. Again, personal opinion, but uh, you know, anyone can can uh, definitely you know make your own opinion. Um, I really encourage you to uh, to do it. Um, Cool. That said, maybe uh, we can jump on the uh, on the last news for today. Unfortunately, uh, but uh, this is actually a very very interesting one, especially you know uh, for uh, for US specifically, uh, because this is definitely um, you know into um, into that contest. It's uh, it's really uh, a very big topic. Let's say okay. So we're talking once again about AI uh, because it's uh, just so uh, uh, so cool nowadays, but also about um, you know uh, misinformation in the context of uh, elections. Uh, so um, in the past, you has had uh, some uh, um, some issues, let's say some uh, um, some big deals uh, regarding elections and uh, how some actors were. Uh, allegedly able to manipulate some of the, you know, um, um, communications by the different people involved, and uh, how the people are going to uh, choose who who to uh, elect, right? And this is now a very big topic uh, in there, uh, as it 
think it should be uh, in any other country. Um, and um, the news is talking about uh, a post from uh, OpenAI, which is the company behind ChatGPT, probably the most uh, renowned and most uh, famous uh, um, uh, LLM or just uh, uh, AI chatbot out there. Uh, they made a statement where they are um, taking into consideration the fact that their technology could also be uh, misused, could be, could be you know, uh, exploited in order to, once again, manipulate the information and do some misinformation, you know, creating uh, statements uh, from, uh, uh, from people involved in the elections or creating images, possibly uh, even creating, uh, you know, uh, uh, what we call, you know, a fake, um, um, oops, uh, just forgetting the term here, but um, deep fakes, right? Where you, you fake someone um, saying something that we, they're not really, uh, they're not really saying. Uh, and they are implementing a list of different uh, measures to try to prevent this, right? Um, so before actually going into the specific details of what they're doing, just the fact that they're doing this, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Be, uh, also, because I don't think anyone was uh, really um, talking about this topic yet, or at least I didn't read anything about it, like misinformation and uh, uh, regarding the elections and uh, the usage of uh, uh, ChatGPT and similar. But the first thing that comes to my mind when I was reading, you know, this was okay. This is OpenAI. But what about all of the others, um, you know, companies uh, delivering the same kind of services or um, uh, using the same kind of technologies? Okay. Once again, I, I really think the people and everyone, not only us in the industry, because everyone is going to to vote, right? Uh, we have to be aware that there are a lot of other, maybe smaller, you know, little open AIs out there. Uh, with uh, a lot of other um, little chat GPTs versions uh, that they can do the same and maybe they're not really going to implement any measure to prevent this stuff, right? Uh, this is a very big topic, but uh, once again, what, what are your first thoughts about it? Yeah, so I have two thoughts. One, like you said, there's a million other, um, you know, AI softwares that can, can do this. My concern goes back to like what happened with like COVID and all the other things of like what's actually labeled as quote unquote misinformation. Because right. to be honest, every news article is skewed. There's not one person that, and it's an it's a individual thing. It's not like we all have our own opinion and it's really hard to, you know, be part of, like, be a journalist and, you know, be unbiased at any point in time. So every type of news article, whatever, in my opinion, is pretty much skewed one way. And so who's the one deciding, you know, what's right and what's wrong? Obviously, deep fakes and stuff, that's going to be wrong. Like, we can't, we can't allow that. Um, and I'm, I'm intrigued to know how, you know, since OpenAI is, you know, the leading company, how are they helping other AI companies maintain and manage all of this information and make sure that it's not just them, you know, pulling the weight of everyone else? And then the other thing is, how are they doing this unbiasedly? Because to be honest, like I think COVID was handled pretty cra crazily. I mean, you can see all the stuff that happened with, 
like Twitter and like taking taking doctors off of Twitter or whatever it was, like what whosever side you're on, it was just a weirdly really weird skewed different ways of looking at it. And so how are we gonna make sure that whatever is actually available is unbiased and like coming, you know, specifically I think it's pretty hard honestly to do. And there I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. So I'm I'm intrigued as to yeah, how they're gonna like make this not biased. Yeah, it's definitely one of the probably one of the most tricky topics out there, right? And uh, you know, social media are still trying to find, a, let's say, a solution, but just a way to 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 handle this, uh, and are already facing this from from many years now. Now it's um, uh, it's the 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 the, uh, the time that also um, AI players are are starting. Um, facing this, but I think you mentioned something very, very interesting in there, which I didn't think about. It's the thing that, you know, OpenAI as the, let's say, I think we can say it's the leader in this industry, right? Um, at least at the moment, uh, should they be somewhat, you know, responsible uh, to, uh, to guide other um, players as well, other uh, providers as well? Should they make some open guidelines on how to implement some security measure to to try to contrast this uh, this kind of a problem? Uh, like I don't know, it could be a very a very you know of course a uh, nice idea to do like uh, a list of um, uh, not only what we did but also what other companies could do and maybe suggesting some ways to implement it, right? Uh, I understand there's a lot of, uh, you know, why should I suggest to my own competitors how to do stuff? But this is actually for, um, uh, you know, for, for the sake of the country, for the sake of all of the people, um, uh, not only customers, but all, the, all of the people are uh, in there will be definitely impacted by this. So it could be a very, very interesting idea. I'm not sure if it did this something uh, that could ever, you know, uh, come to the, to the um, executive's mind. Um, I don't know. Uh, do, do you do you think that could be uh, something? That could be something that uh, could happen. I mean. I don't know if it's necessarily their responsibility. I think it would have to be like a top-down approach from the government. I think it's their responsibility a little bit in the sense that they're the ones leading this, you know, industry. And so it's, in my opinion, it's their responsibility to kind of like set the framework and the outline for how other companies can do what they're doing. But I don't think it's their responsibility to be chasing after all these smaller companies. I think it's the responsibility of the government to start like forcing these smaller companies to abide by these frameworks and standards and or the government to create their own standards, um, maybe partnering with you know, open AI so they can have a general understanding of how it works in the first place. Um, but I don't, I mean, I just think, yeah, it's definitely not their responsibility to help all the other competitors. It's there was, I think it'd be really responsible of them to work with the government to start forcing things down and like creating frameworks that everyone should be abiding by. Um, but I, yeah, that's, that's my opinion on it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I kind of agree. And, and still, I think it could still be a good idea, even you know, as as the leader, you know, in the industry, because it still says a lot when 
when it's you that you know you are providing uh, guidelines on how to do stuff, right? And you are teaching the other companies, and you are doing maybe it publicly. I think it just reinforces your position uh, some way. Like it it happens in the cybersecurity industry, right? There are the the very you know big vendors and big you know players in there that definitely do a lot of free blog posts and free educational stuff uh, on their on their own website just to demonstrate what are you know their own skills, their own capabilities. Even if technically you can go read that blog post and teach yourself something, and maybe you're working for for other companies, you know you're still um, definitely making a. Um, a certain you know um, perception of that company like okay they they wrote this so they know something about it right uh so yeah i, I just think it could be definitely a good idea uh not sure um if they ever will ever you know do something about it but um now just to go a little more in the specifics uh of what they are going to do some of the uh, measures they specify they're going to to make are something like okay just trying to prevent people on uh, uh, creating their, their own chatbots from, from their technology uh, for, for any purpose uh, related to uh, the elections and, and voting. So I'm guessing here they're going to put in place uh, a list of filters based on uh, you know, specific keywords like anything mentioning uh, vote, anything mentioning you know, uh, elections, and they will have for sure their... Um, a very big list of uh, sensitive uh, uh, keywords in the in this case uh, will probably be uh, blocked and prevented. Uh, and uh, this is uh, well, they were doing this already for a lot of other topics, right? Like they were, of course, preventing ChatGPT to help you with uh, you know creating any weapon or doing anything really harmful on a lot of different um, levels and topics. And it was demonstrated a lot of, you know, multiple times that there are ways to um, uh, just, uh, you know, don't don't be blocked by those uh, by those filters, right? Um, so uh, they they found a lot of workarounds, and they are still finding them. Uh, so I really hope that at this point they were able to make some uh, better filters compared to, to the past. But if there are some you know, very uh, big groups or big actors out there that are really um, motivated to use their technology, they will probably find something to, um, uh, you know, uh, to exploit this. Do you think this is going to be the case or they will just still prefer to use any other uh, you know, uh, provider out there which is not implementing any measure at all? Uh, do you think that there's any difference? Um, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I think they're gonna if they want to do it, they'll find a way. Um, right. Uh, it's it's sad because I really hate following the news because I can't do anything about it. Um, all I can do is educate the public on what's going on, um, in like the most unbiased way possible. Um, but again, again, if if, they, if someone wants to do it, I don't think there's going to be an issue doing it. Unfortunately, especially even people like with not in the U.S. Like I think there's, you know, outside countries that would like to skew our our voting as well and kind of trick people into whatever's going on. So 
I think it's uh, a way to manipulate the, the U.S. government in one way, shape, or form, which is it's kind of a scary thing. But as long as we start having some type of regulations, like I think this is a really great article just that shows that we're like, you know, aware and mindful. But then it's like, how are how is this actually being implemented? And I know it kind of goes through all of it, but um, I guess for me, it's actions speak louder than words. So <laughs> let's see how it's, it's being done. And honestly, it's like, it's a really, really hard thing. I'm definitely not um, saying that it's like easy and they're not like able to do it. Like this is uncharted territory that no one actually knows what to do with. And so, um, yeah, I think it, I'm just intrigued to see how these brilliant minds figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it's still uh, a very good thing that even before, uh, you know, uh, the, the election is happening, they are ready, you know, they are really uh, um, addressing this kind of issue. At least they are trying. And I'm sure that as soon as the uh, first exploits or first workarounds uh, will be found and uh, um, will be, um, uh, you know, declared, uh, they will they will improve their security measures and uh, uh, hopefully it will not be a big issue, at least regarding uh, OpenAI specifically. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned that, you know, um, uh, you cannot, let's say, uh, quote unquote, do, do a lot uh, unless, you know, just working on the awareness. But I still think that's that's the, the key here, right? Because uh, vendors can do um, uh, a lot in here. You know, they can try to provide some information around what is being shared, what's, uh, what is being generated in this case. But a lot it's still on the individual people, you know, once again, using the internet and reading what's, uh, what's out there and interpreting those information, right? So I, I think that's actually uh, the, uh, the most important uh, effort we can all do, right? Uh, because we are in the industry and I think we have some responsibility being in the industry to, you know, maybe just start with the, the very small things like just teach your relatives or your friends or uh, you know just inform them of these cases and and i think this is this also relates to the other um measure that open ai took right the fact that they are already putting a, a watermark in the images that are being generated with the, with their ai so what does it mean? Basically, whenever you go in there and just tell ChatGPT, oh, you know, uh, uh, create an image with uh, 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 this guy saying something that he usually does not do, it will put a, a, a statement there saying, you know, this is generated by uh, ChatGPT. So beware, you know, this is this is not real. Uh, this is something that it was um, uh, created on uh, on purpose. So that's already something, in my opinion. But if people don't um, put the effort on reading those watermarks, it doesn't really make a difference, right? So the, I think this is just half of the of the, the global efforts that we have to do as, as a community. Uh, you know, there's that watermark in there. And I really think I should say to everyone I know that, you know, there's that watermark, you know, um, um, read it and... Uh, Think about, you know, what does it mean? When you see an image and, you know, you should always, from now on at least, you know, check whether whether there's that watermark in there. And if there's not, maybe it was just generated by another, um, another you know, uh, 
uh, another AI, from no, not from OpenAI. Does it make sense at all? Yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of, I think uh, OpenAI is kind of leading the way um, for AI right now on, on some of the standards and stuff um, and regarding copywriting and, you know, the images and all that stuff. And so uh, I just think it it's time for the government to start, which I don't think we'd live in that type of government, unfortunately, but to start regulating a little bit more on, on open AI a little bit, not open AI, but uh, on AI in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cool. So uh, yeah, this is uh, definitely an interesting topic and I hope that uh, there will be, uh, you know, more um, news and discussion about this in the, in the near future. Uh, it's definitely something that I, I want to, to learn a little more and hopefully uh, also, you know, you watching or listening to this um, will be, um, you know, uh, willing to, to, to listen to us, you know, discussing about it. Now, I think, uh, Caitlin, this is pretty much what, uh, what we had um, in our minds for tonight. Um, well, tonight for me, but maybe I think it's after, afternoon for you. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I thank you so much for, for being in here. It was really insightful to have this conversation. And as I said already, you know, multiple times here, uh, I really, I'm really glad that I, I have the chance to talk, you know, with people that really have different opinions, different point of views, uh, just a different skill set. Because, okay, maybe I could be a technical person and uh, I could have, you know, some more skill on some specific aspects, but definitely I lack a lot uh, regarding, you know, regulation or, um, uh, you know, governance of data and uh, so on and so forth that I, I really think uh, you and, uh, you know, a lot of people in your own, uh, um, let's say, uh, in uh, part of the industry, uh, will be uh, will be a lot, a lot more knowledgeable than than what I am. So thank you, thank you for that. Hopefully, um, uh, you know uh, everyone is enjoying this. And once again, just a reminder: uh, this is going to be recorded. This is going to be available on uh, on YouTube after this. I'm going to take the audio and post this on uh, uh, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and similar platforms. So you know, consider following, subscribing, and whatever you have in front of you, depending on the different social media and uh, thank you for now uh, see you on the next episode thank you Caitlin yeah of course thanks for having me sure bye everyone